Hey, and welcome to the Motherhood Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Lockwood. And if you ever look around your house and wonder where the heck did all this stuff come from and how am I ever going to get it out, you are in the right place. I'm a mom of five who decluttered her home back in 2013 when my family and I decided to move from Alaska to Florida with one suitcase each. And I do not recommend it. What I do recommend is learning how to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist, which means learning to find the balance of what your family needs and wants without it being so much that it overwhelms you on a daily basis. So if that sounds good to you, you are going to love this podcast. Let's dive into the episode. If you have been trying to declutter your house and not been as successful as you like, I am willing to bet that I can help you figure out exactly why. There are a lot of reasons that moms feel like they can't declutter, declutter, whether it's their kids or their spouse or the time or the energy or just simply not knowing what to do, where to take things, how to donate, right? How to do it mindfully, how to not be wasteful and Plus you're worried about like, what if I need it? You know, I wasted so much money on this. What if I need it again and I can't get it? There is so much that goes into decluttering as a mom. And I promise that if you have thought it or felt it, I have heard it before or experienced it myself. And that is exactly why I created this training called how to create your mom proof decluttering plan. And I've done a lot of decluttering checklists, challenges, courses, programs in the past, and they work. And this training really is the framework for every single thing that moms need to consider when it comes to decluttering their home. It's the plan. We're actually going to build your plan together. It's following through with your plan and it's including your family and even learning how to make this process as enjoyable as possible. Because most people feel like the task is daunting or just another thing on their to-do list. And I don't want it to feel like that for you. So this free training, how to create your mom-proof decluttering plan, you can go to motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY to get it. Or you can just check the show notes of this episode and you will find it. Come get it. I know there is so much information about there. A lot of it is much the same. Five steps to declutter your house, you know, Here's the checklist to declutter this area of your house, but none of them really show you the full scope of what goes into doing this start to finish. And that's exactly what's in this training. So go check it out, motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY, or check the description of this episode to go get it today. Hey, I wanted to tell you about a brand new training that I just created called how to start and finish decluttering your home. Even if you're a mom, even if your kids are always around, and even if you have little time, energy, or day-to-day support. Now, you might have heard of my previous workshop, which was how to have a home that's peaceful, creative, and easy to clean up. And this is basically an extension of it. I listened to your feedback from the first workshop and made a brand new workshop that covers a lot of what was missing from the first one. Now, what you're going to learn in this is three specific things. Number one, the secret to getting out from under the constant busy work that clutter creates, which means no more trying to organize the clutter, no more trying to manage more than you can handle. And the secret, and this is finding your personal clutter threshold. 
The second thing you will learn is how to even declutter with your kids at home. You're going to figure out how to work smarter, not harder, and reduce the overall workload in your home. The kids are staying and the clutter has to go. And the final thing you'll learn in this workshop is decluttering with mother and motherhood in mind, not minimalism, because simplicity is the goal. Mainstream minimalism just isn't practical for moms with kids living a modern life. So you don't have to be extreme. Now, this workshop is free. It's in a video format with captions that you can listen to. And it also includes the opportunity to join Decluttering Simplified with a free bonus emergency preparedness as a minimalist. So if you're interested in getting this, you can click the link in the show notes of this episode. And I would love to have you inside of that workshop. All right. Welcome to this very special episode. So I am going to be sharing about Montessori, um, Montessori at home, the Montessori philosophy, Montessori and decluttering the environment, how it affects us as humans. And just honestly, I'm going to give you a little bit of a disclaimer. It is, am I the only, I'm recording this live in the Facebook group, by the way, Amy says, am I the only former Montessori teacher who can't let go of trays? Um, I am a Montessori teacher and I also struggle to let go of trays. <laughs> we have them like in parts of our house, but yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that. But, um, for those listening, I'm going to just be upfront that I am sharing a lot of my personal, like my deep core beliefs about the way that the world works, about the way that humanity works, about the way that children develop, about how humans develop, um, the connection between like the physical world and the spirit, we can call it the spirit world. But when I say the spirit world, I mean, your inner world, you know, your emotions, your thoughts, your, um, it could be literally your spirituality, but, um, the connection between the physical and the non-physical is a lot about what this episode is about. So if that's not your jam, that's okay. Um, but if it is your jam, well, welcome, <laughs> We are going to dive into it and I've got, um, I've got notes here. I've got quotes here, but some quick recommendations for those who are like, you've heard of Montessori. Maybe you have ideas of what Montessori is. It's a type of teaching. It's a wooden toys. It's like life skills or whatever. That's okay. But I would also encourage you to go read a book called the absorbent mind because Maria Montessori, um, doesn't give a crap about you know, expensive wooden toys. It's actually the opposite. The, the inception, like the starting point of Montessori was Maria Montessori opening up a school for orphans, for children who's, who were living in poverty and had parents who worked sun up to sundown, um, creating a space for them to gather and learn and, and be together. Children with disabilities who were otherwise ostracized from society, she created a space for them. So it was not what it is today, which is kind of an experience for the elite of society. That is not what Montessori is at its core. Um, and reading The Absorbent Mind, I think um, if you are from a Montessori background, you're probably like, oh my gosh, they've stopped talking about The Absorbent Mind. That's all we ever talk about. But it does lay the foundation for what Montessori really is. And to me, Maria Montessori is a, a genius practicer, practitioner, um, facilitator of the mind of the subconscious mind. 
um, that in the subconscious mind is what supports and controls the conscious mind that we experience in the world. It's, you know, the way that we think about ourselves, the way that we interact with each other, our behaviors, our everything, the way that we interact in the world is powered by the subconscious mind. And she understood that about children, that children are walking subconscious minds until about age seven. And the way that the environment affects and programs the subconscious mind. So that's why the Montessori um, method and philosophy is deeply focused on creating a simple, orderly, easy to understand scaffolding environment where these skills and experiences are easy for children, easy for them to use, easy for them to understand, easy for them to build off of. Um, and it's not so much about like having expensive toys, having wooden toys. It's so much more. And so I'm actually going to read some quotes from Maria Montessori. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about like my experience with that as a parent, as a teacher, and as an adult. Um, so you don't need Montessori toys. You don't have to do anything special for this. Here's the basis of Montessori and the way that it is connected to our environments. And the lens that I want you to approach this from is that you are a mom, you are a parent, and your home is the environment that you are creating for your children while they are walking, existing subconscious minds, right? Because they don't only learn when they're at school, they are learning from literally everything in their environment. Okay. So here's the first quote that I wanted to share with you. And so we discovered that education is not something which the teacher does, but that it is a natural process, which develops spontaneously in the human being. It is not acquired by listening to words, but in virtue of experiences in which the child acts on his environment. The teacher's task is not to talk, but to prepare and arrange a series of motives for activity in a special environment made for the child. Um, so what that means here is that children, especially children seven and under, they are not learning by the things that we tell them. They're not learning by sitting and learning their ABCs or doing a calendar at circle time, right? They are not learning because you got them alphabet puzzles in workbooks and all of these special things. They are learning by doing. They are learning by experiencing what it is in their environment. And that's why Montessori is so focused on creating things that fit the child, you know, child-sized furniture, child-sized everything, scissors, markers, you know, utensils, forks and knives, all of these things to fit the child so that they can engage in it easy, easily, right? Now, the next part of this quote is that the majority of Montessori is centered around children while they are walking subconscious minds and are literally just absorbing the contents of their environment into their subconscious, which becomes the default programming as adults, love, religion, safety, order in the environment. Okay. So I'm going to take some time to just share what that actually looks like in a day-to-day -day environment. And I'll just do some comparisons of like what it used to be like for me and my children, both at home and in classrooms. But it used to be that here, I'll start with my childhood. Okay. So I grew up in a house that was chaotic. 
um, pretty early on, my home with my parents was chaotic. There was fighting, there was violence, there was uh, just mean spirit, mean spirited energy toward each other, right between the adults. And that was what I absorbed. You know, I absorbed that adults are mean to each other. Um, it's not safe to disagree. Um, so those are the things that I was picking up, like from the people in my environment. But in addition to that, my house was always messy. My house until my parents were divorced was always cluttered. Um, and what I learned from that is that chaos is normal. Mess is normal. Disarray is normal. It's normal to have dirty, old mess around me all of the time. And in my mind, what that meant was like, in my mind, a lot of things were disordered. And I don't mean disordered in like broken or wrong, right? I'm not saying like I was disordered, but literally in my brain, I, I, as an adult really struggled to process things and make things orderly. Um, because that's what you are absorbing. Like that, that is how the subconscious gets programmed. Now, I also had a very good experience in being able to go spend time at my grandparents' house. That was the opposite. It was the polar opposite. And I know not everybody has the, um, these experiences to, you know, kind of get programmed in very extreme ways. Like I did, um, where I had these contrasting experiences, but I would be able to go to my grandparents' house and feel like the adults were safe. The adults were kind to each other. The adults were kind to me and the environment was easy to be in. The environment was orderly. Like at my grandparents' house, I knew where everything was. I could find my drink when I needed a drink. I could, I knew there was food when I was hungry. Um, I, I could play with things when I wanted to play with things, which was not true in my child at home with my parents. Right. So not everybody gets to have both of those experiences. Some people only have the one that is chaotic intense. Some people have only have ones that are loving and, you know, easy to be in, right? I had both. So I, that is just what I, that is just the hand I was dealt, right? We don't get to control what hand we are dealt. We don't get to control what we experience during those very, very subconscious formative years. Um, so I think part of me picked that up, right? Like I was able to understand what order was, but when I, and it's not black and white. I want to let you know this too. Like the way that you were programmed during those subconscious years is not permanent. It is always malleable. And even as children, the way that you are programmed can change literally as fast as your environment changes. So the reason that I want to give you these contrasting experiences so that you can think about it as you are setting up the environment in your own home is that when I was at my house with my parents and everything was messy and everything was chaotic and, um, you know, it didn't matter if we put our toys away because the house was always a mess. Um, I, at my house, <clears throat> I was complacent with my stuff. I wouldn't clean it up. I wouldn't put it away. I wouldn't put my dishes away. I didn't care about helping everybody because that was like what the environment was reflecting to me. It doesn't matter. You don't have to help out. You don't have to clean up. You don't need to take care of your stuff. 
Um, you can pile the laundry up as high as you want to go. But when I went to my grandparents' house where the environment was completely different, my behavior was different, right? I was willing to help. I was excited to help. I naturally just picked up my toys when I was done with them because that was the environment that I was in at those ages. And I can see this when I was working in classrooms. So um, one thing that I don't talk about a lot, but I would love to do like more episodes on this. Let me know if you're interested in it is the changes that I would see when I decluttered classrooms. So um, I remember the very first classroom that I did, it was when I was in Florida and I was going through my Montessori training and I was doing a consultation for another school um, because I have, I'm going to try to explain this the best way possible. Like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I was not a good traditional teacher. And I felt really bad about that for a long time. And I always found myself in these interesting positions where I was consulting for teachers on how to teach. But the reason that they were pulling me in to consult with them is because they were also struggling with mainstream teaching practices, especially for ages six and under, like the way that classrooms are led does not take into account the fact that these children are just subconscious minds. They are not conscious <laughs> minds yet. Um, and so I would get pulled in to do consulting, like behavioral consulting. It would be like the teacher cannot get control of the classroom, no matter how, what we do, no matter what we try, no matter what ch behavioral charts we use, like it's just not working. So they would call me in to do consulting. And the very first thing I would do with them you know, they'd be like, well, this kid does this and they throw the blocks. How do we make them stop throwing the blocks? And the very first step that I would do with them is declutter their classroom. And this was before I really had an, a, like a concept of the fact that I was helping them declutter. Like that was the secret. <laughs> um, but I remember very clearly if Angela Burley is watching the replay of this, maybe I'll tag her. There was a green room in Florida a green classroom. I had dark green walls. They called it the green room. It was a class of three-year-olds. They had gone through, I don't know how many teachers. They just could not get a teacher to get control of this classroom. I came in to do some consulting and we decluttered the classroom and the teacher the very next day was like, this is amazing. The kids came into the classroom and they were calm and they were quiet and they didn't shred the books and they didn't throw the blocks and they weren't smashing the markers. And I had not given her any tips on like how to manage kids' behavior, right? How to do it, how to do a behavioral chart, how to do the perfect circle time, the perfect schedule of at 10:30, we're doing snack, and then 10:45, we're going outside, right? It wasn't any of that. What we had done was create an environment that was calm, that was orderly that made sense, that was intuitive for the kids to use. And that fixed like 80% of the problems. And then after that, all the teachers have to do is like maintenance of like redirection, um, you know, guidance, giving the kids some challenges, right? To keep them engaged and not bored. Um, and that's what I ended up doing for a couple of years, just on repeat was like going in for these consulting positions for classrooms that had air quote, behavioral issues. And really the environment was overstimulating. It was overwhelming. It was not orderly. It was not intuitive and it was not designed for children. It was designed. And I, this sometimes makes people upset, but honestly, a lot of preschools and child cares 
are designed to impress the parents with pretty colors and lots of things on the shelves. It is not designed with the children in mind. And I think that's changing. It's been a while since I've actually been in like a preschool classroom, (laughs) but like that's, that's usually what these places are designed for. It's like to impress the parents and get the parents to enroll their children. And then it's not designed with the children in mind. So when it comes to you being a mom and like setting up and decluttering your home, right. And maybe you're struggling with like, well, I don't want to deprive my kids or I don't want to upset my kids, or I don't want, you know, I want to make sure that they have everything they need. I want to give them all of this variety, all of this experience, all of these, you know, access to everything so that they're not deprived and so that they're not behind academically or whatever it might be. Know that especially ages like seven and under, what they need is an environment that is easy for them to be in, right? An environment that is easy for them to build the basic foundational human skills. And you can see this in, I like the absorbent mind if you, if you do choose to go read it because it starts from the womb. It starts when the child is like literally growing in the mother's womb. You don't have to do anything for them. Like they're just growing, they're just doing it. Um, Another thing that is kind of controversial, the birth is also intuitive. You don't need to intervene. You don't need to make your body do anything. There are some exceptions, but we live in a society that just loves to intervene with the most intuitive processes of being a human. Um, so anyway, it, that's Montessori goes into, it goes there, right? It starts in the womb. It starts with that. It starts with the birth. It starts with being like zero to three. She breaks it down, right? Like you don't have to teach your kids how to walk again. There are exceptions, but they intuitively figure it out. They intuitively figure out how to hold their head up. They intuitively figure out how to sit up. They intuitively figure out how to crawl, walk, pull themselves up on things. They intuitively learn language. When they are learning to speak English, we are not giving them like lessons like we do at school, thinking that's the thing that they're going to need. And as much as possible, while they're in the subconscious stages, like the least, the less interventions you can give them, the better, right? Including clutter in the environment because clutter makes it difficult to do those things. Sometimes there's an episode, um, way back when I started the podcast episode, you can search it on my site with Lindsay camp, where she was saying that one of her motivators for decluttering was for safety, right? She didn't feel like she could let her toddler be in the house, you know, unless she was right there with her for safety reasons. She didn't want something to fall on her. She didn't want her to like climb on something and it tip over. And so that's just one example of how the environment can restrict this intuitive process of exploring the environment and working in the environment and letting children grow and develop intuitively like they're designed to. Um, And I've even, again, (laughs) just controversial, maybe I'm not going to say controversial. I'm going to say a contrarian. Somebody called me a contrarian. And I was like, I like that because I'm not like trying to like, I'm not intentionally trying to like go against mainstream things like mainstream beliefs, but I do like to challenge them because even when it comes to, you know, like when your kids are learning their first words, they're learning that intuitively. And a lot of children, when given the space to do so, 
They will learn to read intuitively. They will learn to write intuitively. They will learn basic math concepts intuitively. But we're surrounded by so many things, even things like Montessori toys on Amazon or at the store or whatever that are designed to inject themselves and like intervene with these natural processes for children. Um, and then it, it disrupts that and it makes it more difficult for them and it makes it more frustrating for them, even with like potty training where like when, when they're ready, they're going to do it. Right. Um, and I'm doing that with, with my older kids, I will admit when it comes to like reading and writing and math, I did not let it unfold organically, but with my youngest two, Kaylee and Tara, I absolutely am letting it unfold organically. And it's funny because they're like on the same trajectory of being interested and able to read and understand language and write as my older kids were, but I'm not even doing any of the things that I did with my older kids, which is funny because I'm like, why did I even do it with my older kids when they're doing it on their own? Right. Because that's just the, the way that it unfolds for these minds. And so <laughs> let me get back to my notes. Cause I feel like I'm kind of rambling, but the environment, um, I'm going to read this quote to you. Okay so that we can kind of talk a little bit more about the physical environment um, and supporting our kids, right? Because we don't want to just sit them in an empty room. There is a balance, right? You can't just sit them in an empty room, but you also can't just, you know, send them into clutter and chaos and everything all at once, or they're going to be overwhelmed. Okay. So with the right education and a carefully prepared environment, his potential is limited, limitless. The kind of education needed here is not merely the transmission of knowledge, human personality and potential must also be taken into account. Education is a natural process that happens spontaneously in every individual child. Um, this means that knowledge cannot be delivered only by verbal expressions. The teacher is not the center of her class. Her role is more like an observer and a guide. The student himself should be the center of education. So when I'm setting up my home, that's what I consider is, you know, clutter makes it hard for me to live my life. Therefore, it makes my kids, it makes it even harder for my kids to live their lives and do the things that kids are normally supposed to do, right? Because they can't explore free, freely. They can't put things in order. They can't understand how to use the things and do the skills that they're supposed to be practicing if it's chaos. And it's especially hard to do that if the energy that I'm bringing into the house is also chaotic and stressed and nagging them and frustrated and always telling them no and always being like, you never help out, right? So um, being aware of how the environment affects you in your inner world is also really important. Um, because once you are not in that like subconscious brain phase, it still does affect your subconscious because the subconscious rules and is responsible for about 95% of our experience here. Um, okay. So let me see. There is another quote that I wanted to share with you. So I'm not going to get into like how I, how I, because my kids go to public school. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with public school or anything like that. What I am saying is that having this understanding for me as a parent helps me bridge the gap between like just sending my kids to school and, and feeling like that's enough. Right. Um, so Maria Montessori believed or believes, and I also believe this 
is that education should defend life and protect human development from birth by making life itself as the center of education. So that's one of the reasons that Montessori is so focused on like life skills, pouring, sweeping, cleaning, baking, measuring, all of these things, making life itself the center of education, which is huge for moms and parents, because that means that your home what you are wanting to declutter, what you're wanting to simplify, what you're wanting to make like the focal point of your life in your home is one of the best things that you can possibly do. And that's one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about decluttering simplified or motherhood simplified. Yeah. Motherhood simplified the podcast decluttering simplified is my paid course. Um, but, um, it's really important work. So Here's another extension of that quote. It's a Gandhi quote, but Montessori agrees with Gandhi that education is preparation for life. So the way that you set up your home, the the way that you make it for your children, what is it easy for them to be at the home? Is it easy to create order? Is it easy to take care of themselves? Is it easy to take care of them, their stuff? Is it easy for them to contribute? Is it easy for them to create? That's all preparing them for life and decluttering makes all of that easier. Um, so this is just another belief, but it should focus on protecting life and helping people maintain their life. It should enable people to depend on themselves and stand on their own feet. Education should also contribute to the life and society and support the development of civilization. It should care about people and have something to offer to social problems. And to achieve this, we must first realize and understand that the reality of education and how it works. Right. And so it does all start with the environment, the environment. It affects us deeply. Um, and I think that just to make it, just to apply it back to the real world real quick, the real life real quick, as moms, we know what it's like to live in clutter that is overwhelming. It makes it difficult for you as the adult to keep up on laundry, to keep up on dishes, to keep up on bills, to keep up on um, your health, your relationships, your self-care, your sleep, right? Your ability to drink enough water. Like it affects all of those things. It affects your ability to live your life as well as possible, right? As creatively as po possible, as purposeful as possible, um, all of these things. And this, it's also true for your children. So decluttering your home in conclusion, you know how it feels to live in clutter, um, which by default means you also know what's possible when you do declutter and you do make all of these things simple and the deep impact that it has, not just on you, but on your children and on the world. And that's, that's my, that's my stance. That's my story. That's my opinion. That's my belief. That's why I believe decluttering is so important um, and valuable. And it's so much more than just like having a clean house or having a house that you can post onto Pinterest and be like, look at my, look at my Pinterest shelves, right? It's so much more than that. It is so much more than that. Um, it really is a link between the physical worlds and the non-physical worlds. Um, and I think that's a really beautiful thing. So if you do read The Absorbent Mind, um, I would love to hear if you decide to read it. If you do read it, I would love to hear what you think about it. I think it's a great book. I think it's um, regardless of like your religion or your beliefs, 
Um, you can kind of just read it from, you can read it through a spiritual lens. If you want to, you can also read it through a scientific lens of like, this is human development, right? This is how our brains work. Um, this is how children develop and this is how it affects us into adulthood. Like you can read it through both lens, which I think is, is really cool. It works for anybody. So that's it for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it out. If you were watching live, I lost the comments. So sorry. <laughs> um, but let me know your thoughts and I will talk to you all soon. Bye. Hey, before you go, I have a question to ask you. Would you please leave me a five-star review if you are listening on iTunes? It helps me grow my show and reach more moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. If you love the show, I would love it if you shared something specific that you find valuable or helpful or that you just enjoy about listening to this show. It would mean the world to me if you took time out of your day to do that. And while you're at it, head over to motherhoodsimplified.com to listen to more podcast episodes or check out our Facebook group, Instagram, just to connect on social media. If you love these episodes and if you love this show, please tag me. I love to connect with you over there. Podcasts are kind of like a one-way conversation where I feel like I'm talking to you and with you. But when you tag me on social media, I feel like we can take that one step further and actually connect with each other, which is the whole point of me starting this podcast and community in the first place is to be able to connect with moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. So tag me in your Instagram stories. I'm motherhood underscore simplified. Check out the motherhood simplified Facebook group or head over to the site and just find even more blogs, podcasts, decluttering courses to help you continue on your decluttering journey. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon.